The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In order to thrive in today's competitive business market, you need to constantly adapt to change. In other words, reinvent yourself and your company. Welcome to Business Reinvention with host Nancy Lynn. This hour will have you listening to and thinking like the successful business leaders of today. Now, here is your host, Nancy Lynn. Hello and welcome to Business Reinvention. This is Nancy Lynn. We bring you thought-provoking ideas from a wide range of industries so that you can connect the dots and stay innovative and competitive. Well, the Super Bowl is only a few days away, and um, there's obviously lots of excitement in the air, especially here in San Francisco where the 49ers are based. Last year, more than 111 million people tuned in, making it the most watched TV show for the entire year. And um, you may be surprised to learn that 46% of viewers were actually women. Um, perhaps due in part to this, the NFL is still the richest league in the world, generating over $9 billion in revenue last year. And according to Plunkett Research, the size of sports industry in the U.S. is more than $400 billion a year. It's just massive. Um, and in addition to football, we also have baseball, basketball, hockey, and golf that are also very popular here. Um, so the question is, is there room for another sport such as soccer? Um, I mean, sports not only bring a sense of excitement and competition, but also traditions and memories passed on from generation to generation. So is it possible for a new sport to compete with the special moments that you shared with your parents at a stadium as a kid? Well, according to the new ESPN poll, soccer is now the second favorite sport among Americans aged 12 to 24. And the viewership of Major League Soccer on ESPN is also reaching all-time highs since the league's first season in 1996. So what's driving this trend and um, what were the growth strategies that worked? Well, let's find out from our guest today. Dave Cavill is the president of San Jose Earthquakes. Last year, the team finished the best regular season record in MLS and under his leadership season ticket sales have risen 42% and sponsorship revenue has increased 57% and all while breaking ground on a new stadium lots of accomplishments in a very short time Dave congratulations and welcome to the show Nancy thank you so much and thanks so much for having me love to have you here thank you um so is there a need for a new sport in the U.S. let's just start from there well, I, I actually think that soccer is already has so many fans in the U.S. and it's growing so fast that we're proving ourselves every day. And I think it's exciting to see, especially in that younger demographic, 12 to 24, kids, you know, boys and girls who've been playing the sport ever since they were, you know, toddlers, the interest level in our game. And I think that is really a positive thing, um, not only for our sport, but I think it's just a great way to internationalize 
sport because soccer is really the beautiful game and the sport that's most well-known across the entire world. Mm, so let's talk about that a little bit more. What is soccer bringing to the sport that is unique? Well, I think the international nature of soccer is such a unique aspect of its success and one of the key reasons it's growing because, you know, if you look at the you know, population base in the United States and the demographics, people and people, you know, people are coming from more backgrounds all over the world. You know, here in the Bay Area, you might have people who grew up in England or Brazil or China or Italy. And a lot of times that, that country or that ethnic background, um, you know, might have had soccer as the primary sport. And so I think when more and more of those people are here, and especially in these really international communities like the San Francisco Bay Area, you have a natural um, fan base for soccer, and our team, the San Jose Earthquakes, are well positioned to take advantage of that and really be a force um, in the sporting landscape. Mm, that's a very good point, and sounds like it's in sync with this whole globalization trend, right? Um, so you're definitely tapping into something very interesting here. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about your fans. How are the demographics different? Um, you started to talk about, you know, the younger, um, you know, age group. Um, what else? Who else? Who else is watching soccer? Well, I mean, our, our our biggest group is you know the you know twelve to thirty year old um, you know kind of Gen Y, almost Gen Z a little bit folks who've obviously been connect, connected to the sport. We also have a, a huge percent of Hispanic fans of soccer, and you know as you see more and more Hispanic uh, Americans and, and folks obviously interested in sports, you know we're really hitting that demographic as well. And then the final piece is something that you know a lot of people know, especially in suburban locations, are basically soccer families. And, you know, those are people who might have a you know, 14-year-old or a 12-year-old daughter or son playing soccer, and obviously they want to connect to the best players in the world and their local team, and they come out to the Earthquakes game. So we have a really interesting um, group of, you know, fans and different demographics that are all growing. The Hispanic group is growing, obviously. Um, the soccer families are growing because when you look at participatory sports, um, soccer really is the number one, obviously, across the entire country, especially when you include boys and girls. And then finally, that, that young de- demographic is one that's been really hard for people to reach, especially marketers and, and folks. And so when you look at our fans compared to the NFL or the NBA, we're substantially younger. Yeah, I think that's really important. And I actually wanted to make a couple comments about that um, just to highlight how important that is because um, it definitely sounds like you're hitting the sweet spot, leveraging the population trend and the generation shift in terms of age as well as, as um, ethnic groups. Um, and you're targeting the large millennial population, which represent about 82 million people in, in the U.S. and with $200 billion in annual purchase power. And they are also, coincidentally, the most racially diverse generation which also kind of relates to what you were saying about large Hispanic um, you know, fan base. Um, and they represent um, um, 16% of U.S. population. And I was going through some research report, and I thought it's really interesting because I noticed that last year's Super Bowl, only 9% of the viewers were Hispanic. And that compared to what I just said, 16% of the U.S. population are Hispanics. So it looks like there is kind of like missing opportunity right there for NFL, which you are oh, yeah. actually cabbaging right now. Um, so I think that's very, very critical, and you're onto something very, very important here. Yeah, and I think what we hear from a lot of our sponsors and partners is that our fan base is 
is really unique and unduplicated. So to reach the people that I discussed before, the soccer families, the Hispanics, the, the Gen Ys, um, is difficult. It, it, you can't just take out an advertisement in the Super Bowl and reach those people because as your um, numbers and, and statistics point out, it's underrepresented just the average. And so if you want to get to those groups, you have to find a different way, something they connect to that has an emotional attachment for them that they feel that they want to activate around and they want to feel that um, is really authentic and real. Because especially with the younger generation, they're very cynical about advertising and mass media and mass marketing. And you see that in a lot of the social networking and things like that. And so I think a sport like soccer is more of a real way, an authentic way to reach them. And mm-hmm. I think that it is one reason why we're poised for success because we have that authentic connection to our fans. Mm, yeah, and like we were saying at the beginning, you know, that it, it sport is about, it's about emotional connection. And so um, exactly what you're saying here. Um, and, and like you said earlier, um, you know, a, a big group of the fans um, are the younger generation. So tell us why that is the case. Um, why is that they have more involvement and, and, you know, practicing that particular sport? Well, I think the big thing is that there's just been a huge shift in the United States over the last generation in terms of like what sports children play. You know, where 20 or 30 or 40 years ago it was baseball and it was, you know, basketball and American football. Now more and more kids and especially you know, girls who are getting very, very active in sport. I have two daughters, and you know, they both play soccer. Um, you know, soccer has really become the, the predominant sport. I mean, just in the Bay Area, there's over 500,000 registered youth soccer players in the Bay Area. That's an enormous number of people. And so when you look at that and you, you see that you know, these kids are growing up in a soccer culture, they're playing the game, they have their you know, cleats and their um, shin guards and their kits, and you know, they're going on traveling teams and playing. They're looking up to our players and the earthquakes and obviously the English teams like Manchester United and Tottenham Hotspur, and they're looking to them as idols and as people they want to aspire to because they play that sport. And so I think that's such a strong connection, and I think if you look over many, many years, you know, sports in terms of their ability to be successfully from, from a spectator perspective, you know, are connected to whether or not people play the sport. And so I think that bodes very well for our success down the line. So why is that more of them um, playing soccer? Is that promoted by schools or by the youth academies um, sponsored by, say, the soccer teams? I think it's two things. One, I think that um, the sport itself um, the way it's been organized with AYSO and CYSA, all these different organizations, has been very, very organized. It's easy to play. You know, you obviously just have the one ball. You know, it's just there's no pads and things of that nature. It's really um, well suited for girls. Um, so I, I think the nature of the sport helps in one one aspect. And then I think you know the other thing is is that the contact sports have become less um, appealing for families. And I think that's coming out more and more with the NFL that you know. People are concerned, and I think, you know, President Obama mentioned this just a couple days ago. If he had a boy, you know, he would be concerned if he played, you know, football, American football. Well, that's quite a statement to have the President of the United States say that. And so I think, you know, we're operating at a time now where people are more cognizant of the ramifications of contact sports, and I think that's even another reason why, you know, soccer's popularity is rising. Mm, very interesting insight. Um, so this is also a group that's very tech savvy. Um, so how do you leverage technology in a way that sets you apart from other MLS, uh, MLS or NFL teams? 
Well, we've really tried to focus on cutting-edge social media and technology. The fact that we're here in Silicon Valley has been a huge plus for us. Um, you know, we've been able to partner with um, companies like Facebook, and we did things like their deal site very, very early on. Um, we've worked with companies, obviously, like Twitter, and we've been really active in those different social media networks. We even work with a site called Soldzy, where you can actually buy um, an item through your fa- through Facebook. So if you we post an item, like a garden gnome, and then you basically just type in sold and your email address that will be PayPal'd to, and they basically invoice you. Once you paid, we drop ship the item. So we're trying really innovative ways to reach people to make it very, very easy. And not all the things work, but we try to try as many you know, as we can because I think a lot of those fans are, are sampling new ways and new you know, avenues to reach our property and, and, and our company. And so we've tried to be really you know, progressive in that sort of way. And then you know, the other thing that really helps us is our players are very active because our players are younger as well, and they're on those mediums. And so that's a, a direct connection between the players on our team, whether it's Chris Wondolowski or um, you know, Victor Bernardes, who's, who's a Honduran player, and our fans all around the world. And so that's also been a really powerful mechanism for us to use technology to reach our fans. Mm. So are your players also kind of representative of your fan base, like very international and um, in terms of ethnic group or, or international origin? Absolutely, Nancy. I mean, if you look at where our players are from, I think we have you know seven or eight different countries represented, everywhere from Jamaica to Honduras to um, Britain to obviously the United States. Um, Japan, Korea. We, I mean, it's it's all over the place. And so, you know, to have players from all those places, one, and then two, to have, a lot of them are young, they're tech savvy, um, kind of they represent the kind of the, the fans that we have. And I think that's a phenomenal way to create the connection and the emotional attachment because you see that person. You might be a nine-year-old boy and you see a, a player like Romero Corrales and who's been very successful and has played for us for 15 years and you know, grew up in Salinas, California and, and didn't come from much means. And to see a, a Hispanic American have that kind of success, that's inspiring to people. And so mm. to see that and, and to put those role models up there for folks um, in our community is something that we really strive to do. And, and we're lucky and fortunate to have that situation. Great. Well, it sounds like we have to take a quick break right now. So let's continue with this conversation after the break. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lin. For more business insight and information about the show, go to bizreinvention.com or follow me on Facebook and Twitter. Stay tuned and we'll be back after this messages. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. In today's marketplace, your ability to open up the way you think and adapt to change allows your business to stay ahead of curve and perform at a higher level. At Change Agent SF, we can provide you with the tools and coaching to become an effective leader to grow your business. Contact us today at 415-322-9073 or email Nancy Lynn at info at changeagentsf.com for more information. Transform your leadership and business with Change Agent SF. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. 
Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. To join in on this week's discussion, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to Business Reinvention. So, Dave, before the show, we were talking about how technology um, helps you with social media campaigns. So, I'm curious in terms of um, technology, um, you know, we want to elaborate on that a little bit. How are changes in technology affecting your business decisions for operations and even the design of the stadium um, and other aspects of your business? Well, we spend a lot of time in our organization really analyzing the data um, of our customers um, and then also the, the data around our soccer operations. So, uh, you know, I see kind of the, the move to big data and business intelligence has been something that we've really embraced as an organization. And on one hand, we're really creating a profile of our, our customers that really, it almost translates um, into almost a membership model as opposed to just a ticketing model where we really know these people and they're almost part of our extended family with the earthquakes and we know where they live and their families and you know how they've obviously interacted with the team and and by doing that and really tracking that you know we can re- reward the right behaviors we can make sure that we're servicing them the best possible way and the only way to to do that or make that possible is to make sure that you know we gather the right information and it's done in in the right way with privacy and things like that and then it's analyzed and used intelligently with, with good judgment. And so that's one piece of the puzzle. And then the other side is we're using a lot of um, the data of the players um, on the pitch. We have a Adidas My Coach system where we actually track their biometric information, and then we also track um, where they are in the field, like a GPS locator. And by doing that, we can better determine how the team is playing, what players play better, who's injured, who's not injured. We create baselines, and we adjust from the baseline and doing that helps drive our decisions and make better decisions for you know what lineups we put on the pitch, you know who we play, all these different types of things, which is just a, a totally a new era for managing a professional sports team. So it's very exciting. Wow, so you're really incorporating technology and taking advantage of that, and it's definitely providing a goldmine of information for you to build customer loyalty, sounds like. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, the customer loyalty piece, Nancy, is critical. So, you know, what what we're trying to do, especially with our new stadium, is to incorporate that in all aspects of what we do. So, you know, if you have like a membership card or whatever, you come to the game, you're a season ticket holder, we know, you know, you're scanned in, we know when you enter the stadium, we know when you buy food or, or merchandise or what you're doing in the venue. Um, we could potentially work with those people to say, hey, you know, if you tweet to this number, 
or you know to, directly to this account at a certain time when something is going on on television, we know you're watching the game. So like you get almost credit or loyalty points for watching the game, which drives our TV ratings, which is really really important. That's a huge metric for our success. So we're doing all those kind of things, um, and you know we're just scratching the surface. And and I think the big thing is trying to determine what areas have the largest impact financially um, to make sure we prioritize those first. So I'm really curious, have you made, or I should say, have you changed any business decision based on the data that you got um, from your customers? Yeah, one of the big things that we've changed is how we broadcast our games and how we try to get more and more people to watch the away games and the away feeds. And so what we've really done is encourage our fans um, to make sure that, you know, it's encouraged and there's benefits for them to watch the matches when they're on the road. Obviously, you want to see the team, but that drives our TV ratings. And what we found is when we've promoted, you know, bought promoted tweets or things of that nature in and around our games, we've seen higher um, TV ratings. And so, you know, what we're doing is we're spending a lot of time, you know, making small tweaks and then seeing how it affects the ratings and then changing it again. And so, you know, there's a clear example of actually using the data to drive decisions on the marketing side and where we're spending dollars and what sort of events and decisions we're making to drive the ratings, which ultimately drives the enterprise value for the entire property. Awesome. Um, so I'm actually going to change the topic a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. So the ticket prices for football games are getting very expensive. Um, and I noticed that 30% of people who watched Super Bowl game last year were from households with more than $100,000 in income. And that's up from 16% just 10 years ago. And so it, it's kind of leading me to believe that, you know, it's getting to the point that it's um, out of reach for some families in the U.S. And I'm wondering how you are taking advantage of this trend. Well, for us, you know, we have a much more affordable ticket price. So, you know, our average ticket price is $25 at a, at an Earthquakes game. And, you know, we play basically once a week, um, you know, once on the road and then, then back at home. So, you know, it's a more manageable price. It's less games in a season than some of the other sports like baseball and, and the NBA. So I think when you look at the value proposition for our games and our product, it's great for families. It's great for, you know, folks who are younger who don't have as much money. And so, you know, this is a really nice um, opportunity for us because I think the other sports, and they're kind of being forced to do this because everything costs more and they're getting all this money from TV and everything, they're kind of pricing themselves out of of the mainstream market. And I think long-term, that might plant the seeds of their decline because I think if people do not attend matches, at some point it might lead to less people actually watching them on television as well. And so that's why we're really excited about being able to offer an affordable product, a product that is still fun and exciting for your family, but it costs $25 and not, you know, 75 or 100 or even more. I mean, some of these games are unbelievably expensive. And, you know, when you add a $10 beer and all this kind of stuff on top of it, it's, it, it just becomes cost prohibitive. Yeah, uh, but do you think attendance will be affected with the departure of big names like David Beckham? Well, you know, I, I think the league has gotten kind of beyond Beckham. So, like, you know, at one point we kind of needed Beckham to kind of draw in our stadiums. But I think that over the last couple of years we've developed a solid fan base that supports itself, Nancy. And so you can see teams like 
you know, Philadelphia Union or Portland Timbers or Seattle Sounders. You know, they have enough um, season ticket holders, and we're the same way. I mean, our stadium is basically full every game. It's only 11,000, but it's full. And so this is a different situation than Major League Soccer had 10 years ago where it was more struggling to put people in the seats. You know, we have a strong fan base. The fan bases are there to see our own teams play as opposed to international teams, and it's less reliant on the star power of any one person. Now, we probably could have never achieved that without the excitement and energy that David Beckham brought to the league and to American sport, but it's nice to see that we've been able to kind of elevate ourselves to kind of a new plateau um, where we can rely just on our own teams and, and the passion that our fans have for the individual clubs. Yeah, it sounds like soccer has come a long, long way. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is your largest revenue source at the moment? Oh, it is ticket revenue. So, you know, we're still a league that where ticket revenue is, is the largest source. You know, media revenue isn't quite at that number yet. I think that's one area where we have an opportunity to grow. And I think that's one area where we can use technology and things like, you know, streaming things online and, you know, YouTube videos and, and other more asymmetric media and opportunities there to garner interest and excitement around the sport. And that connects directly into that Generation Y and, you know, younger fans who are, some of them may not even have cable television. You know, they might consume all their video content, you know, through iTunes or, or Hulu or some of the other more innovative um, distribution channels. And so we think that our sport can take advantage of that. We have a great iPad app and, and Android app that people can watch games on, MLS Match Day Live. And, you know, those are things that some of the other leagues don't offer or it's more complicated or constrained. So I think those are all ways that, um, you know, we're, we're kind of playing it in a very positive way. Mm. Uh, and there, there's also um, growing business interest in soccer overall. Like there are, you know, constructions of several new soccer-specific stadiums and the league has more teams than ever before and there's more games being covered on TV. How do you feel about more competition? Well, I mean, I, I think the, the league itself, now that we have 19 teams and that we're, you know, been successful in the United States and Canada and you know, we have places like Seattle that, that do 40,000 fans a game. Um, I think it's been tremendous, and, and I think it's been a real impetus for us to move forward on our stadium, which we had our groundbreaking in October, and um, we're excited to be, um, you know, a part of that new wave of stadium investment that are the soccer-only stadiums. I mean, that's really a remarkable accomplishment, that we have our own venues, we can present our own product in a really positive way, as opposed to having to rent, you know, American football stadiums that were too large or it just didn't really fit our needs. And so it's creating even a stronger culture around Major League Soccer, around the fan experience, um, which is a really powerful thing. Hmm. Well, now that we're talking about stadiums, so let's talk about your new stadium, which yeah. is supposed to open next year, right? Yep, it's um, 2014, so, exactly. Great. And so um, what can we expect to find there, and how will it change the game, if at all? Well, you know, the thing for us is, one, you know, we need a larger venue, because our current venue is only, you know, a little over 10,000 seats. And so, you know, it's going to be an 18,000-seat um, stadium. It's going to be European inspired because it's going to have a roof and an open horseshoe configuration. Um, it's really going to be focused on fan first 
and really the experience on the pitch. You know, one really cool thing about soccer is, unlike American football or some of these other sports, baseball, there's no stoppage. You know, the game just goes. You know, you have a running clock, you have two 45-minute halves, and people during the game are very focused on the game. And so we're really trying to respect that and make sure that people have a perfect experience to see the sport, not distract them, but to focus on what's happening on on the pitch. So we have great sight lines and great, you know, angles and, and you know, the ability ability to actually have food delivered to your seat and use in-seat ordering through our um, uh, uh, iPad or iPhone um, application Yorder that we partnered with. And so there's all these different ways to really create a great fan experience. We have an amazing scoreboard bar that's the largest um, exterior bar in North America, 400 linear square feet of bar space that people can stand there and watch the game. And so, you know, I think... The stadium itself is caters to the fans. It has a lot of great neighborhoods, which I think people will really enjoy. And I think it, once again, elevates us here in the Bay Area to one of the premier sports properties because you have a venue that can fulfill the mission and fan experience that, that we want. And so that's, that's all a very exciting thing, obviously, for us and for our history here. Hmm. And so tell us a little bit more about Europe-inspired design and that you mentioned earlier. What does that mean, and wh- why is that better, um, if at all? Well, it, I think what's one thing is, you know, um, Nancy, our fans, you know, our super fans are called supporters, mm-hmm. and in our case, they're the ultras. And so the in-zone section of the stadium is designed specifically for them. They stand through the entire game. They cheer and chant different songs that they make up about the different players, about the team. Wow. It's, it's a fanatical kind of, um, you know, energy around the team. They make huge TIFO, which are kind of like banner um, displays that they hoist up. And, you know, for some people, if you haven't ever been to a, 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 you know, f- a you know, football game or association football game, you see that. And it's truly remarkable. I mean, it's like something out of, you know, going to Chelsea or, or Liverpool or some of these other great clubs. And so to have that experience, you know, we've designed the stadium to accommodate that, to, you know, keep in the sound and make it really a home field advantage. So when people come, you know, in the Bay Area to our venue, they have the sense that they could be at a European match and it has that energy to it. And I think that's something that will create a truly unique um, sports experience in North America. And we already have that in many of our other stadiums, whether it's Portland or Seattle or, or Philadelphia. And so, you know, we, we want to carry forward on that same tradition. We have all kind of the pieces. The only thing we're missing is the actual stadium. And that's obviously what, what we're, uh, we're building right now. Hmm, fascinating. I should go to one pretty soon. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you're invited anytime. Our opener is on March 3rd, and we play Real Salt Lake. And you can even see it at our current stadium, the excitement around the ultras and what they bring to the table. And I met with them today, and they have a big TIFO display planned, and I'm sure it'll be very, very exciting. And um, it's just it's really a unique part of sport. And I think other than maybe college football here in America, it's hard to really think of anything that, that, that has that level of passion and excitement. Mm, wonderful. All right, let's take another break and continue this conversation after that. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lin. For more business insight and information about the show, go to businessreinvention.com or follow me on Facebook. We'll be right back.
up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. In today's marketplace, your ability to open up the way you think and adapt to change allows your business to stay ahead of curve and perform at a higher level. At Change Agent SF, we can provide you with the tools and coaching to become an effective leader to grow your business. Contact us today at 415-322-9073 or email Nancy Lynn at info at changeagentsf.com for more information. Transform your leadership and business with Change Agent SF. Everybody needs expert advice when they look to develop their personal brand. Join Rochelle McCrary for The Leader and the Muse. Rochelle and her guests will bring you practical tips and tools to help you build your brand in ways that propel you into greater personal and business success. For strategies, stories, and much more, tune in to the Voice America Business Channel every Friday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Leader and the Muse. And get ready to take your brand to the next level. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. To join in on this week's discussion, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to Business Reinvention. All right. Um, we're definitely getting all excited about your new stadium before the break. Um, so now let's just change the topic a little bit and, and talk a little bit more about strategy. Um, under your leadership, revenues have increased dramatically. Um, what do you think is the best decision that you've made um, since becoming the president of Quakes? Well, I think the biggest thing, Nancy, and I think this is what's really driven our success, is that I've tried to bring an entrepreneurial mindset to professional sports. And I think especially in soccer, which is a sport that's maybe not 100% developed yet in America, that's very important. Um, you know, it's, it's a far different skill set that's required to run an NFL team or a Major League Baseball team because those are established sports. They've been around for 50 or 100 years. Our sport in America is newer, and so we need to always be thinking of new ideas. We have a younger fan base, like I said earlier, and we need to find ways to cater to them. So coming up with that entrepreneurial you know, perspective and the willingness to try new things, and even if they fail, to just get right back up and try them again is something that I think I've instilled in our entire organization, both on and off the pitch. And I think that's been really key to our success. Mm. So what were some of the innovative ideas that you came up with um, in addition to what you already talked about? Um, and I remember one of the things you mentioned was also dynamic pricing strategy. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, that's one thing that we've done that's really increased our ticket revenue um, is to really price each game independently. And so, you know, when we play the, the LA Galaxy, we would charge a different price in the sections as opposed to when we play the Columbus Crew. And this is something the San Francisco Giants had done this. I felt that this was a way for us to better properly, um, you know, uh, connect supply and demand and really enable us to, to get more revenue in for the club. And that's worked out great. And, and, you know, I think the best example is when we've had, you know, we have a big game every year at Stanford University, and that was another reason or innovative thing we did was moving one game to a bigger venue, 
taking the risk of playing in a, in a, a bigger venue and filling the house. And we had 40,000 in 2011 against the New York Red Bull, and we had over 50,000 total sellout last year against the Galaxy. We used the dynamic pricing to best get the revenue out of that game. And so we've learned a lot from that. We are going to continue with that strategy, not only this coming season, but in the new stadium. And I think it's just a far more sophisticated way to analyze your pricing mechanism and, and, and make sure that you're making the right decisions for your business. Definitely. And obviously, experience marketing is also very important to you in the sport um, since, you know, like we're saying, sports are more than just competition, but also opportunities um, to connect with others and create shared memories. Um, So what are some of the innovative ideas that you have tried that are keys to successful experience marketing strategy? Well, what we've tried to do is create you know, events that you would remember your entire life. And so, for instance, we had our groundbreaking for our new stadium in October. And so instead of just a regular groundbreaking and six people and the owners up there with golden shovels, we said, why don't we break the Guinness record for the largest participatory groundbreaking ever? And so we invited everyone in the community to come out to participate, to be part of building the stadium, to actually come out and turn dirt and actually build it and say you could tell your grandkids that you, you helped build the stadium. And so we had 6,256 people, a new Guinness World Record, turn up to turn dirt for two minutes, and everyone was out there digging away. It was a crazy sight to have all those people out there. We had all the blue shovels I ordered from China, and it was an unbelievable sight to see that. And that was the type of thing that people will remember their whole life. And I think it's really important that in sport and with a club like the Earthquakes is to find those ways and to create those memories. And they don't always have to be something that happens you know, on the field in terms of a goal or a hat trick or an accomplishment. But we've been fortunate to have the ones off the field, like the groundbreaking or our huge game at Stanford where we had 50,000 and skydivers and you know we, we uh, erected a 75-foot American flag. We pulled it up with hot air balloons, which is an unbelievable sight. Anyone can go online and see the pictures. It's incredible. And so we've had all those things that have really created this great experience for our fans beyond what happens even between the lines. Mm, amazing. So for our audience who also wanted to use experience marketing strategy, can you give them some advice about the keys to the success and how do you come up with a great idea? Well, I think one thing, Nancy, that's important is to try to build on an, an organic idea that you find. And it's, it's sort of like this last year we had a situation where um, you know we were scoring all these goals in stoppage time right at the end of the game. And we were like, it was incredible. We had 11 stoppage time winning goals, which is just absolutely like, it was like double the record in the league. And so the excitement level was really high. And one of our players, after one of the games, made a reference to a very famous movie in the 1980s, The Goonies, where she said, Goonies never say die. And so what we did is, is we created a whole phenomenon around this Goonies never say die, um, you know, kind of hashtag and, and mem and everything. And so what we did is we put that and we tagged that with all our tweets. We did it in videos. We created posters. You know, we did all these different types of things to build on that. And it really created like a viral um, association for all our fans with this whole Goonies concept. And, you know, I go around town even today and people come up to me, Goonies, Goonies. And so <laughs> that, that was a way to very organically virally not really costing much money, but find something that you, you see a spark. 
And whatever that spark is, you just absolutely feed it and make sure that you're investing in it and you put the marketing around that as opposed to just coming up with something totally on your own. So I, I think one lesson I would say is that look to something organic and real as that you know, germinating idea and then whatever that idea is, just water it and make sure it's successful. So let's take that one step further and say, um, you know, experience marketing really help you and other marketing campaigns really help you create a lot of popularity for your teams. So what are the keys to translate um, or translating popularity into cash? And this is a challenge for a lot of businesses, right? They may have really popular product or very popular commercials, but that doesn't necessarily mean that people will buy the products, right? So what is the, yeah, what's the critical link there? Well, I think the thing is, is that you have to come up with a way to monetize it. And what we've tried to do is create very big signature events, whether it's our yearly game at Stanford, you know, whether it's an international match where we bring in an international team to focus that energy and, and to create, you know, a call to action around that, which leads to ticket purchases or, you know, creates a lot of excitement that gets another sponsor to sign up because they think it's just such an amazing experience to co-brand with that property. So I think for us, Nancy, the key thing has been to flip it around and make sure that at every point we're thinking about how this is creating revenue, not just doing things just straight for publicity, but how do we lead to an ROI? How do we make sure it sells a ticket? How do we make sure it brings in another sponsor? And tracking that to figure out what works, because I think a lot of times it, the different, you know, the message might be right, but you might be in the wrong media, and maybe maybe you should be uh, a half page ad in the newspaper as opposed to a tweet or vice versa. And so you need to figure out what you know channels that you leverage and focus on um, to get the word out that leads to the highest rate of monetization for your company. Mm. So definitely you have to have a integrated strategy and looking at the whole big picture and then kind of ma- continue to measure and then track and tweak um, is pretty critical, sounds like. Yeah, and, and I think, Nancy, like building on that, it's very important to try a lot of different things. So, I, you know, I think, and especially with the new technologies, you know, I think it's easy to say, oh, I'm just going to go with the traditional television ads or whatever. There's so many more ways to reach people, whether it's putting a group on together or, you know, doing a, um, kind of, we've, we've done these kind of golden ball hunts through Twitter where you give clues and you have these balls in different locations around the Bay Area and then if you find one, you get free tickets. Well, that creates a ton of publicity and excitement. It gets someone to the game with free tickets and then the other people that were engaged, we captured their information and we could go back to them and call them and say, hey, maybe you didn't win the tickets, but you want to buy tickets. And you get enough of those people to buy that justifies not only the fact that you invested in this program, but also the fact that you gave away the tickets to uh, the winning group. Hmm. Awesome. And then so definitely you're creating a lot of great in-stadium experiences for your audience. And, and then you also talked about social media early on. And I just want to check with you to see if there's other things that you're doing in terms of customer engagement, especially when it's, it's kind of off-season. You know, What are some of your strategies? Well, one of the things we try to do is leverage our supporters groups. And so, you know, they're so active even in the off-season. You know, whenever we have new players, they come up with new songs that are chanted about those players. So to have parties and events where new fans can come and, you know, try to figure out and learn the songs and really be connected to the supporters' culture and fans, that's a really um, unique way to connect to the fan base. And it's something that's fun and different and, and real, 
Um, and it feels like you're part of something like a, like like a family or a club or whatever. And so those are the types of things we've tried to do in the off season. We also try to make sure that we communicate well from our actual players and that they're doing a lot of interviews and and you know maybe even meet obviously meeting with fans and things of that nature as well because you know they have a little more time uh, in the off season. So those are all things that we try to do to keep the energy and excitement around the team. Mm. And has the youth academies also help you with um, customer engagement? Oh yeah, the youth academy is really a bit almost a secret weapon for for the earthquakes and a lot of the teams in MLS. So you know we have teams U14, U16, U18 uh, of kids throughout the Bay Area, really the best soccer players playing in our academy with a chance to someday either play on our first team or potentially. Um, you know, use their talents to go play in Europe or, or South America or something like that. And so, you know, they share our same jersey and are playing all over the Bay Area or even um, traveling as well. And those are like advertisements for our club. And so to have those people out there and successful and, you know, in the communities at that grassroots level is a really, really unique way for us to market our product that's very different than the other sports. So some people in the audience may not be very familiar with that. So can you explain what it is and how do people become part of it and um, and how it's been developed? Well, it basically is kind of an all-star team of soccer players at each different age group uh, in our academy. And they're fully scholarships, so we would pay all the costs for them to travel and um, their equipment and everything for um, the different teams. And it's you know, an amazing way for them to get um, training with some of the best coaches in the world and to elevate their level of play, which makes them an even better soccer player. And we do that hoping that some of those players play on our team at some point. It's an investment not only for the earthquakes, but for U.S. soccer and our ability to compete in the World Cup, which is a very important part of our mission. And so that's why we do it, but some of the nice benefits of that is that it allows us to be active throughout the Bay Area in a lot of grassroots marketing or, you know, soccer programs that are natural fans for um, our main product, our, our first team. Yeah, it's a fantastic way to develop fans, ambassadors, and talents um, all in one um, program. Yeah, and, if you, and I don't know if people have seen, you know, 60 Minutes just ran a big profile on Barcelona. Um, which has a very similar, probably the most established program in the world along these lines. And that's really been the key to their success in, in growing into, you know, a multi-billion dollar property is really this backbone of academies and youth and, and connection with, um, you know, players. And so I think in America, since so many people play, you know, doing that is, is a natural way to, to elevate our brand and then anyone you ever speak to will probably know someone who had some connection to the earthquakes at some point, which is really cool. Great. Well, it looks like we have to take another break. Um, please stay tuned, and we'll be back after this short messages. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. 
In today's marketplace, your ability to open up the way you think and adapt to change allows your business to stay ahead of curve and perform at a higher level. At Change Agent SF, we can provide you with the tools and coaching to become an effective leader to grow your business. Contact us today at 415-322-9073 or email Nancy Lynn at info at changeagentsf.com for more information. Transform your leadership and business with Change Agent SF. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. To join in on this week's discussion, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to Business Reinvention. So, Dave, we have talked a lot about what's going on in soccer. Um, what do you think the consumer expectation will change over the next five or ten years? Well, I think one of the big things that you're seeing more and more is that consumers are really demanding a different type of relationship um, with the products and services that are that are being sold to them. And I think in sports, that's really manifesting itself into a shift between or from a ticketing model, which is kind of an arm's length transaction, to more of a membership model where you feel that you're part of the club and there's other benefits and things that you get um, by being a fan, whether it's a season becoming a season ticket holder, whether it's us understanding who your favorite player is, and then if there's a pitcher by our photographer on the sidelines during the game, you getting a direct email or twit pick or whatever of that moment. You know, those types of things, really emotional connections based on who the people are, is I think what people are demanding because if not, they kind of turn off these, these things. And I think the, the opportunity right now for innovation and technology is in sports is for companies to take advantage of that and present products and services, whether it's apps or software or whatever it might be, to me and other teams to accomplish those goals. And, I, and I'm really excited to see, especially here in Silicon Valley, what a lot of the businesses come up with um, because I, I think the innovation level here is so high and we're always excited about trying new things. Um, I think there's going to be some, some additional breakthroughs on that side. And what have you learned about leadership from the last few years? Um, you definitely have, you know, done a, a lot and a lot of accomplishments, as we mentioned at the very beginning. And I wonder, you know, are you leading the team differently than, say, you were five years ago? Well, I think the biggest thing is just about having a vision and really being able to manage to that vision and being able to think big and understand that. You know, our sport has a long way to go, and, you know, you need to inspire people to, to go along that path and, and do things that they've never done before. You know, I remember when I sat in a room and I told everyone we're going to play a game at Stanford at the 50,000-seat stadium, we'd never filled more than a 10,000-seat stadium, 
and there was a lot of shock on their face. face. <laughs> and I think, you know, leadership sometimes is, is, is working with those people and inspiring those people to get the most out of them to accomplish those kind of huge goals. And I think once you do that, it builds confidence, it builds excitement and energy around what you're doing, and it really becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I think we're on that, you know, we're, we've charted that course and we're on that road um, as we grow our sport and our club. Hmm. So tell us more about that. So how do you inspire them to become more of a risk taker and uh, taking on bigger goals? Well, I think a lot of it is how you deal with failure. So I I think, you know, in our organization, when someone comes to me and something gets screwed up, you know, I I don't, it's not like I yell at them or anything like that. I I say, look, I'd rather you go three for ten and tried something ten times and failed seven times than one for one. And the, the way to really put teeth to that is when people do make mistakes or when things don't work out, and maybe this is even you take a financial hit because of that, is to not panic about that one thing, but to focus on, you know, one, learning from it, and two, encouraging more risks and, and, and different um, strategies and innovation to try to drive revenue and success. And so that's been a really central focus for me in terms of how I manage the staff and, and really inspire them to do great things. Wow. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with what you're saying about bringing entrepreneurship or entrepreneurial experience um, or spirit to your business. Um, so there are a lot of entrepreneurs in the audience. I wonder if you have additional advice for them in terms of building their own businesses. Well, you know, I've started my own business. I started a baseball league, the Golden Baseball League, before I, I ran the earthquakes. And so, I mean, I think the hard thing with starting your own business is to be able to wake up every day and keep that energy, that motive force. Because if you're the CEO or the founder, you know, you need to drive it every single day. And you cannot lose that energy because everybody looks to you. They look to you the entire time. And so, you know, I, what I would recommend is that even when things are tough, you want to keep that, you know, positive energy moving forward because I think people look to you in such a real way. And if you don't do that, I think it's very difficult to to be successful. Wow. Thank you for the words of wisdom and thank you for joining me today. Oh, you're very welcome, Nancy. Thanks for the time. Thank you. And for those in the audience, thank you for tuning in today. Let us know what you think about the show and leave your comments on Facebook um, or iTunes for us. And please join me for another great discussion next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific time. I'll be right back here um, to talk with you again about another topic. So take care and enjoy the rest of the week. We hope that you've enjoyed Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. Please join us for another edition of our groundbreaking program next Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope you'll find the inspiration for change over the coming week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 